Good morning, everyone. Hey, just a couple of things uh, as we get started. Um, when it comes to the family conference, we really want any family who wants to come to be able to come. And if money or anything is a limitation for you, we have a means to make that happen. But I would go even further to say, think of this beyond just a nuclear family, and I want you to look at it in terms of a church family. Because this is not only for those who have kids. This is for young couples. This is for singles. This is for those who have been widowed. Because if we are functioning as a church, like God intends us to, we are all investing in the younger generation within this body. So we want everybody who is able to come to join us and be a part of that family. We'll just call it a church family conference. Does that make sense? Because I think that's what we want to be all about here at Melanie Park. Second thing is, I just want to say thanks for some of you who took me up a couple of weeks ago when I said that I wanted to get to know you and uh, hear your story and share my story. I had some great conversations with people and I'm just so excited. As I've mentioned before, I plan and prepare every sermon with you in mind. And I want to speak to people that I know and love. And so let me re- extend the invitation that if we haven't had a chance to meet and spend time together, I would love to do that. And so call me, text me, come by the church. I may reach out to you, but I would love to just spend time getting to know your story and tell you a little bit about my story too. So, But thanks for those who took me up on it a couple of weeks ago. Um, this morning, we're going to finish up our four-part series on what it means to grow in grace. And you remember, we began with the idea of devoting daily. And Jeff did a great job of unpacking the, the, the privilege and the, the pleasure of lingering in God's presence without being in a hurry to leave. That's what it means to, to devote daily. Dax did a great job in worship night after we had talked about that on that Sunday. And he said, you know, it really is embodied in what we see with Mary when she just sat at the feet of Jesus. Remember that? And then there was Martha, right, who was busy trying to carry out the duty of all the things that need to be done. And Jesus looked at the two and he said, Mary has made the better choice because being is more important than doing. So pursue daily. And after that, we talked about gathering weekly. And we saw how this is a part of God's design for our good and for his glory. Gathering in the church is is an embassy of heaven so that we can be equipped as ambassadors for Christ. Jeff then led us last week through the understanding of what it means to to pursue relationally, which depends on our ability to live humbly and transparently. We looked at this passage, but I want to tell you, read it to you again. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. And we get a picture of this from Paul when he says this. He says, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives, because you had become so dear to us. That's the heart behind pursuing relationally. So we devote daily, we we gather weekly, we pursue relationally. And this morning we're going to finish up with the understanding of what it means to engage missionally. 
And I need you to know right up front that every single one of these priorities applies to every single person in the church. And so no, there is not a footnote next to engage missionally that says only applies to those who are missionaries. Okay? It's important that we understand that because the Bible says that if you are a believer in Christ, you are a minister of reconciliation. You are a messenger. You are a missionary of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are called to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And what a privilege that is. So let's pray together as we unpack that. Father, thank you for the chance to gather weekly as a church family. Thank you for meeting us daily as we look to you and linger in your presence. Thank you that your presence is here with us now, that your spirit is at work. And and Lord, would you stir in our hearts these affections that come from this new creation identity in Christ, affections and, and desires that Quite frankly, we did not have apart from you. This is is a gift. This is a part of what it means to belong to you. You reshape how we think and what we feel and what we are drawn to. And so, Lord, this morning, would you draw us deeper into a love for you and for the people around us? We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so my goal this morning, I want us to enter into this topic through the eyes of Jeremiah. Okay? Because we talked about this when we went through the book of Daniel. So I want to look at a passage with you. If you would, turn to Jeremiah chapter 29. And let's look at this passage together. Jeremiah chapter 29. And we'll read together beginning in verse 4. It, it's up there. I'd love for you to turn if you have your Bibles with you. Um, but let's read it together beginning in verse 4. Verse 4 says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them and plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and become the fathers and sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and and do not decrease Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will have welfare. Now, I think if we're honest, we often have a knee-jerk reaction, especially in our world today, to look around us and point out all the things that are wrong. And there's plenty of things to point at, right? We call out all the corruption that's going on in our society. But I think we're too quick to condemn and less willing to redeem. And I'm just as guilty as anyone on this. But when that's our posture, when when our focus is, is on what's going wrong and all the negative that's happening in the world, we lose sight of our divinely ordained purpose in this world. As we see in Jeremiah, we are called to be agents of change in this world in which we live. We have been commissioned to seek the welfare of the city 
to make a positive difference in the world, no matter how bad this world may be. And so let me remind you, Babylon was a very evil place when they received these words from the Lord. The people were ruled by a selfish dictator who was more concerned about his own reputation than the welfare of the people. It was a culture filled with pagan worship. It was a society that was plagued with immorality. And yet, God told the Israelites to make that place their home, to build houses, to plant gardens, to have children who marry and have children of their own, to to increase and not to decrease, to, to live as exiles in a foreign land without losing their identity as God's people. And I believe firmly that God has given the very same commission to us. You see, this world is not our home. We all know that. Like the exiles, I mean, like the the Israelites, we are exiles in a foreign land. And yet, we've been called to make a difference in this world while we're here. In fact, let me just say this. It's the only reason we're here. It's the only reason we're here and not with Jesus in heaven. It's because we are here to make a difference in the world around us. A few years ago, our small group did a a Bible study, a little uh, video series called For the Life of the World. It had a subtitle that said Letters to the Exiles. It was a really creative and unique uh, little series that we did, but it was also really helpful because it asked a really important question, and it is this. What is our salvation for? Why were you saved? Is it about our personal atonement? Is, is this is about our individual salvation and a, and a ticket to get into heaven? Is that what it's for? Is it just trying to survive until we're rescued from this place? Is, is that what we're trying to do? Or is it not for the life of the world? In other words, we have been commissioned and equipped by God to have a transforming presence in the world. We are called to be agents of grace in broken places. And there are plenty of those in this world in which we live. We are called to be ministers of mercy and to bring a message of of healing and hope in Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's what we do. Like Israel, we, we seek the welfare of the city by being a part of the solution. Do you get that? Because we have an answer to what makes wrong things right. Instead of pointing to what's wrong, we should be praying and diligently seeking what is right. Yes, we are exiles in a place that is not our home. But until Christ returns, this is our home. And we are called to make a difference while we're here. And really, just to be clear, not a difference that simply makes our society better, but instead 
a difference that points our society to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. And, and the key to making this happen, okay, that there's something really necessary for us to fulfill this commission that God has given us. And it's the ability to create a bridge between two important days, Sunday and Monday. That's the key. Uh, creating a bridge between Sunday and Monday, because we need to understand that we gather in order to scatter. We meet so that we can go on mission. Think of it like a football team, okay, who, who, who huddles up together, right? You see this. We're going to probably watch some football today, and you'll notice before every play, they huddle up, right? And what are they doing? They're talking about the play, and they're remembering what each role of each player is when they go run that play, and then they break out of that huddle, and then they go execute the play. But let me ask you this. What would it be like if those same players huddled up, talked about the play, but never actually ran it. They huddled up and, and discussed what it might be, all the, the potential scenarios of, of carrying this thing out, but they, they never actually performed it. Now, number one, would that be something of interest to you at all, just watching a group huddle together for perpetual plays, right? Or would you even call that a football team at all, really? I, I don't think so nor would I consider us to be a church if we gathered on Sunday and didn't do anything to take it into Monday. As one author says, the primary work of the church is the church at work. The primary work of the church is the church at work. And not that we need an author to tell us that because we hear that from Jesus, right? Mark Chapter 16, verse 15 says, these are the words of Jesus, go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So what we're hearing here is we gather on Sunday in order to go on Monday. Now, listen to how Jesus explains this, if you would. Turn to Matthew chapter chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5. I want to read a passage together. I love the way Jesus teaches and how he paints us a picture that we can imagine in our mind and apply to our daily lives. And he does this here in this passage, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. When he says this, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light shine before men, in such a way that you, they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now, let me admit that I probably put way too much salt in my food, okay? I'm just going to say that right up. Terry gives me a hard time because I'll sit down and start salting my food before I ever taste it. 
And my feeling is that I've done this long enough to know it's just going to taste better with salt, right? It just is. I mean, if it, if it tastes good, then salt's going to make it taste better. If it's lacking flavor, then salt's just going to enhance that flavor. So why wait? Just put some more salt on it. All right. Thank you. I don't get amens very often, and that's uh, it's good. But if that salt has been in the shaker too long, we know that it just doesn't become salty again. You just get rid of it and put some new salt in it. As a Christian, Jesus tells us that we're the salt of the earth. And so part of what that means is that when something's good, we make it better. And here's why. We do this by recognizing the giver of all good gifts. Right? James chapter 1 verse 17 says, every good thing and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. So what that means is, for example, we rejoice when someone celebrates the birth of a new child. We enter into that situation and celebrate with them knowing that that life was created by God that it was knit together in that mother's womb and made in his image. We admire the beauty of nature and we rejoice in the goodness that is put on display because we know that all of creation speaks of our creator, right? Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. They, They pour forth speech about the one who created them. But this also applies to things that are not exactly perfect either. We can look at those who have a physical or mental disability and we can know with utmost conviction that they have the same value and worth as any human being. Made in the image of God. Valuable in His sight and purposeful in this world. We embrace the broken. Last week, we talked about coming alongside those with an unplanned pregnancy and and helping them see a, a message of hope and an unconditional love. We enter into suffering with hearts of compassion. See, The point is, our presence in the world should make a positive impact as as ministers of mercy, bringing a message of healing and hope, grace into all the broken places. As Jesus said in this passage, our, our lives should be a light to the world. Verse 16 says, to see our good works, and then through that, to glorify our Father who is in heaven. And you see, this is what we understand. If that only takes place on Sunday morning, it's like hiding a lamp underneath a basket. I mean, it's really helpful for all those who are huddled inside, but it does nothing for those around us who need it most. Part of this may be due to limiting kind of the scope of how Scripture is to be applied. And I want to just be completely honest with you and tell you that I feel like 
I bear a big responsibility in this. Because let me give you an example. We talk often about Ephesians 4.12, the equipping of the saints for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ. And, and we talk often about how that applies to who we are within this church body, which is absolutely true. But it must not end there. That work of service extends into your neighborhood, into your workplace. It even goes in the context of your enemies. Serving is a powerful way to put God's love on display. But, but we also see this in, in what we say as well. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the best news possible. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And he goes on to say this, But, but how then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in Him whom they've not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? Now, I think traditionally, a lot of people look at this verse and point to the pastor as the preacher, right? That's my job. That's wrong. It's far too limiting. The preacher is pointing to someone like you. And here's why. You have an audience with people who will never darken the doors of this church. And it's your responsibility to take that message of hope into that place where you live and where you work. The work of the church is the church at work. Taking what is taught on Sunday and faithfully carrying it out to where you live on Monday. We gather in order to scatter. We meet so that we can go on mission. And that mission extends to the uttermost parts of the world. Turn, if you will, to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Another very powerfully important verse. And I want us to look at this together. We're going to begin in verse 6. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Of course, you remember the, the disciples are gathered together. The resurrected Jesus has appeared. In verse 6, it says, So when they, being the disciples, had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is, is this the time when you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and even to the uttermost parts of the world. Now, I want you to understand that the disciples ask a very legitimate question in this scene because the resurrected Jesus has promised them in this passage an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And being faithful Jews, they knew that the Old Testament repeatedly, over and over again, says that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit from God is a sign that His kingdom has arrived. One example of that is Isaiah 44.3, where it says, For I will pour out water on thirsty lands. I will 
give streams on the dry ground, and I will pour out my spirit on your offspring, my blessing on your descendants. So it's fair for the disciples to ask, is this the time when your promise to Israel will be fulfilled? And I want you to notice, Jesus doesn't say no. He basically says, not yet. Because this is up to the Father, and He will determine when that day will come. But until that day, until that day comes, there is work to be done. So go. Go from gathering together and be my disciples, taking that message of hope to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. And if you were to put that on a map, you would see concentric circles, like a target, right? And the bullseye of that target would be Jerusalem. That's where the disciples were gathered in that moment. And so their ministry would begin right where they were. And then the area outside of Jerusalem that surrounded the city was Judea. And so in time, God would extend that ministry beyond the walls of Jerusalem into the area of Judea. And then beyond that was Samaria. Now what's interesting about Samaria was this is not territory that the Jews would ever go in, but Jesus says, I'm going to send you there. And then he says, beyond that, I'm going to send you to the uttermost parts of the world. And and we see that being lived out with Paul who went on these missionary journeys to what was then the uttermost parts of the world. And I want you to notice that Jesus' statement is not a suggestion for some. He didn't say, okay, there's a few of you that I want to talk to specifically because there's something I want you to do. This doesn't apply to anyone else. It's not what he did. He talked to every single one of his disciples, and he gave them the exact same commission. And so this is not a suggestion. It is a commandment. If you are his disciple, this is what you do. And here's the key. It's not a matter of if, it's only a matter of how far. It's not a matter of if, it's only a matter of how far. Say that with me. It's not a matter of if, it's only a matter of how far. Because every single Christian is a minister of reconciliation. We gather in this embassy of heaven to be equipped as ambassadors Christ. We, we meet in order to go on mission. And we do this in both word and deed. So it might begin right there in your neighborhood where you live. That's your bullseye. <laughs> That's your Jerusalem. That's where you live. And, and so you might walk around your neighborhood. I mean, we all like to take walks, right? So as you're walking around your neighborhood, you might pray for your neighbors, which implies that you know their names, which is really important. So get to know people, hear their story, tell your story. And so very practically, when someone new moves into the neighborhood, maybe you take them a sweet treat and a warm welcome. Introduce yourself, find out their name, and now you can pray for them as you walk around your neighborhood. Or whenever there's a loss, which we all experience, maybe you re-enter that situation and express your condolences and give your compassion to somebody that you now know by name. Brian recently 
shared some really convicting thoughts that he's learned on this topic. And he talked about how loving outreach cannot happen in a lifestyle of busyness and accumulation. Now, my first thought when I heard that was, that's the American way. I mean, if you were to describe America in two words, busyness and accumulation, am I wrong? I mean, if you don't believe me, just drive around this city for 30 minutes and count how many storage facilities you find. I mean, we don't have enough room to store our stuff in one place, so we buy other places to store our stuff, right? And not only that, we're so busy going from one place to the next, but we simply don't have space. When that is our lifestyle, we simply don't have space in our lives for other people when we're rushing from one thing to the next. Now, don't miss this. This is really important. Love and hurry are incompatible. Love and hurry are incompatible because love always takes time. It always has to have space. So we need to slow down and see where God is at work. And for many of us, it's literally at work because that's where we spend most of our time. So now that becomes your primary mission field. That's your Judea, outside the place where you physically live. And, and like your neighborhood, prayer is a great place to start, okay? I'm trying to make this simple so that it applies for all of us. Prayer is a good place to start. And so simply get to know one or two of the people in your office or in your workplace and just make a point to pray for them regularly by name. And let me encourage you not to just pray for God to work in their heart. In fact, I would tell you, I would pray more specifically for God to work in your heart, to help you recognize where he's already at work at their heart so that you can enter into the work that he's already been doing. And then be willing, when that opportunity comes, be willing to life. Be willing to share your story. Be willing to open up your life. Because I, I don't know about you, but I know I've found that very often, I would even say most often, when someone is willing to open up their life, very often the other person is willing to do the same. So take that into your Judea, your workplace. But also look for ways to be a blessing beyond Judea into our Samaria. This is our community. This is Lubbock, Texas. That, that's our Samaria, okay? And we may need to go into some places that we might otherwise avoid. I was talking this past week with Christy Reeves, who is the executive director of Habitat for Humanity. And I was just talking about her, talking with her about what it might look like for our church to be involved in building houses for those in need in our community. They have land in East Lubbock that has room for 70 houses that would absolutely transform a community. Now, how awesome would it be to see this church gathered together, serving arm in arm, making a difference in the place where we live, within our Samaria. 
our community. Making a difference in the welfare of our city as God has called us to do. We have been commissioned to put the love of Christ on display, both in how we serve and in what we say. And we can't let anything cause us to withdraw from this responsibility simply because of self-protection. And yes, there are some in our church who will go to the uttermost parts of the world and praise the Lord for that. We're, we're celebrating that happening in our church right now. It's a part of our history, and it has to be an ongoing priority in our ministry moving forward. As we raise up the next generation of people who are willing to literally go to the uttermost parts of the world. And even if that's not you, we can still be involved by supporting and, and praying for people who go out from this church body, knowing that every single member is a minister of reconciliation. Remember, it's not a matter of if. It's only a matter of how far. It, it begins where you live. It, it extends into where you work. It applies to our own community. And then it goes forth into the world around us. So as we close, let's kind of link this series, this little four-part series together because it all begins with devoting daily. This is like the foundation that you build your house on. If you don't have this, the house is not going to last, okay? So we want to build on this commitment, this priority of devoting daily, giving priority to the privilege of lingering in God's presence without being in a hurry to leave. See, this is where the soil of your soul is nourished. This is where you feed on God's truth and you're strengthened by God's Spirit. And now with, with hearts filled with praise as you've devoted daily in communion with Him, we come together weekly with one another. Considering how to encourage each other towards love and good deeds because we are shaped by the people around us. We are strengthened in the context of community. And that commitment to community must extend into our week as we pursue one another relationally. See, we don't just gather together on Sunday. We want to make a commitment to each other to live together throughout the week, entering into each other's lives. This is where we put the one another's on display. Considering the needs of others is more important than our own. That's the heart. Only when, when these things exist, you see these are connected to each other. Only when those first three happen are we then compelled to engage the world missionally around us. Knowing that we are here for more than our personal atonement. That we are a people of God's own possession. Set apart for a divinely ordained purpose, ambassadors for Christ, ministers of reconciliation. And so let me ask you to do something in response to what we've walked through the last four weeks. I want you to think about each of these areas. I want you to go before the Lord and I want you to ask Him how you might grow. And if you're like me, there's probably something in every one of them that you can grow in, right? Because none of us have arrived. Brian mentioned it earlier. There are no perfect people in the church. We are all in process, but that's why we come together. 
so that we can grow in grace together and more faithfully live out these priorities of the Christian life as a body of Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the privilege to look at your word and the clarity of the calling that you've put in each of our lives as your disciples, ambassadors for Christ, ministers of reconciliation. Lord, impress upon us now more than ever the priority of us gathering in order to scatter, us meeting so that we can go on mission and to see that that's the reason we're here, that, 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 that our salvation is not simply for our own personal atonement, that, that we have been called to make an impact on the world around us, to do good for the welfare of the city in which we live. Yes, this is not our home. We are exiles. We are foreigners in this land. But until you return, may we live faithfully making a difference in the place where we live. For your namesake, for the praise of your glory. In this we pray, amen. Please stand. Stand. Amen to that. Let's make that our prayer. I, I spent some time with some guys that I've been meeting with for 25 years this last week. And had the privilege to sit down and tell them about kind of how things are going in my life and my family. And I was so honored to tell them about you and how much I love you and how grateful I am to be a part of this body of believers because there is something special here. And I, I know we all know that that something special is who we all have in common and our love for Jesus Christ. And I just want to encourage us because of the goodness of what we have together, to not put it under a basket. It's too good to keep under a basket. Let's take this out into the places that we live, work, and play. And let me just say that I know a lot of you are doing that. And so continue on. Be encouraged. Take others with you. And let's be faithful in who God's called us to be as ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors for Christ, the privilege to take a message of hope to the world. Amen? Amen? Let's go and do that now. Have a great day.